When I believe more in the grace of God than I do the power of sin, I step into a place where I can win. Let that soak in. Well, welcome, Dale, to Effective Heart Change. We're in the Let It Go series, and today... We're going to let it go. We're going to let it go, but we're going to really talk about the let it go part today. We, you know, we started early uh, with step one, and step one is just getting to that decision that I need to let go. Well, then we've done a couple of programs that start talking about why is it so hard to hand off, and getting that transfer to God, getting that handoff to God. And so today we have titled it, Are You Ready? I can't, can't wait. Sleeping with the Frogs. Wow. That's, that's a visual I'm not too sure I want to I, I hold on to. <laughs> it comes out of Exodus chapter 8, and it's the second plague, verse 9, verse 10. Moses goes into Pharaoh. And he says, I'm going to give you the honor of choosing how long the frogs stay. Now, here's the visual. The frogs are everywhere. They're in the palace. They're in the kitchen. Put it in your bread bowl, if you will. They're in your beds. I mean, look, we're talking about the frogs are everywhere. And that's such an incredible visual because when you walk in unforgiveness, it affects your spirit. It affects your thoughts. It, it changes the way you see things. I mean, it is setting you up for all kinds of negative outcomes. That's what unforgiveness does to you. And here's what we think. We think that I'm punishing the other person by not forgiving them. Hmm. Good luck with that. I mean, that's, that's really what we're doing. So here Moses comes up to Pharaoh, and he says to him, I'm going to give you the honor of choosing when the frogs leave. Now, if you're Pharaoh, what are you going to say? Now? Exactly. Now. Yesterday. I've had enough. Yeah. But Pharaoh does exactly what we do with unforgiveness. His answer is tomorrow. <laughs> That's an interesting reminder. Uh, I didn't see you going there, and, and I'd forgotten that that's what he did say. I, I'm just, uh, I'm overwhelmed sensory. Uh, not, not only the presence. I mean, if they're everywhere, you're going to step on them when you're walking around. If, uh, the, the noise. Oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> and the noise when you step on them. No. Right. And speaking of wanting to croak, I mean, you know that... <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> and the smell. And oh, yeah. Every, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know that we go that deep, but that's one of the things my, my mind does. We st I start thinking about, okay, fill this room with frogs and try to imagine what that would be like. Yes, yesterday would have been way too late. <laughs> and the word is bitterness. When you're walking in bitterness, when you're walking in unforgiveness, again, what did I say? We think we're punishing the other person. We think we're hanging on to justice. We 
we think, well, I am justified and I need all of this. No, you're sleeping with the frogs. You are holding on to stuff at a level that it's to your own hurt. And you're going to choose when? Uh, did, did I hear you? Did I hear you right? You're going to choose tomorrow? And the interesting thing about the word tomorrow, you know about what tomorrow means. Tomorrow never comes. Exactly. Tomorrow continues to be tomorrow. Because when I wake up tomorrow, what do I tend to say? Tomorrow. Now, the good news is tomorrow wasn't tomorrow because Moses is a man of God being directed by God. So when Pharaoh said tomorrow, Moses actually did it tomorrow. If you and I are caught up in our bitterness and we've got this feud going on, when is tomorrow going to happen? Never. And that is the correct answer. We just let it go to the next day and to the next day and to the next day. And yes, I know I need to do it. And, and at some level, I have just pressed people with this illustration over and over again. How long will you continue to sleep with the frogs? One of my observations in this brief lifetime I've been here uh, is that we spend more time, as a, as a people, we spend more time in the past or thinking about what's going to happen in the future, and we don't pay much attention to the present. It's always about dredging up things that have happened in the past that have been wonderful or awful and imagining what's going to happen tomorrow for the rest of eternity uh, that, again, the, the, the bad and the worse. And, and fail to live in the present. A phrase that I love is choose your heart. And part of the let it go, part of that handoff, that transfer to God is just beginning to understand, I choose my reality. You have no power over me unless I give it to you. And when I allow you to hold that power over me, when I stay in bitterness, I stay married to my wounds. Notice what I just said. I didn't say I stay married to you. It's a, in a sense, I do stay married to you, and I, I continue to give you power over me, but I stay married to my wounds. If I don't give you forgiveness, it feels like when I, when I say I'm not giving you forgiveness, it feels like I'm holding power. Actually, the way I stop your power over me is by letting go. So I choose my heart. I either choose to stay under your power, married to wounds, in a bondage that's continuing to flow through me, it continues to impact the way I see life, or I actually choose my heart, and that is to be powerless and to actually let go of this thing. Interesting dichotomy that, that we, we put ourselves into. Uh, the, the hurt, you know, the offense, uh, that that comes from outside, but what we do with it is is so key to either a, a progress or a digression uh, from from where we want to be. Uh, there's more, I'm sure. Where we go with this, another important factor is what I give out determines what comes back to me. So here I am, I've, I'm, I'm going to hang on to these frogs, I'm going to keep these frogs, but the law of mercy, I, I love that language, the law of mercy 
talks about if I offer mercy, I get mercy back. We're still talking outcomes. Choose your heart. So if I choose to harbor this against you, I'm setting up that both God, because God says, if you don't forgive the sins of others, I won't forgive you. I literally set up how God is going to judge me, and I also set up how people are going to respond to me, how people are going to judge me. So what I give out, if I'm giving out mercy, if I'm actually walking this thing through, it becomes incredibly powerful in terms of my future. I'm reminded of when someone is murdered and, and the reaction that is normal and understandable that I can't forgive, that there's no way, that, and that bitterness uh, is a load that gets to be bigger and bigger and bigger uh, as life, quote, progresses. And the difficulty of letting go, uh, particularly in a situation like that, is stunning. I've never had to do that. And so I can only empathize with how difficult it must be. But in the discussion about letting go, uh, I have a, a sense of how just, I can't, I can't even come up with a word. It's so important to do that, to, to not hold on to that, that hurt, that uh, I don't think it can be overemphasized. When you talk about murder, I, I immediately think of Ron Goldman and, and the O.J. Simpson supposed alleged murders, whichever way you go on that. But what I watched as that family, not just Ron, but the family just held on to that and continued to try to squeeze blood out of that thing. Where you go with that thing, choose your heart. I watched them and, I mean, not happy people, struggling people, etc. And so when you've had something like a murder, absolutely I sympathize with you. Absolutely you're justified. Absolutely I'm right there with you and I understand you doing all of that. But many times by pursuing every legal avenue and doing that, what happens? You end up staying focused on that thing at such a high level that you just keep stirring and re-stirring the bitterness and the ugliness. And so in there, choose your heart. Many times this is the reality that we have to think about when we're dealing with forgiveness. I kind of want my future. So if I'm going to stay engaged in this thing, I'm actually choosing the frogs in a way that destroy my future. And so even though it's not just, I, I kind of have to let go. And you see this in divorce, too. A uh, couple that have been together for years, and uh, uh, something happens which upsets the cart, and, and one person becomes bitter, and then they pass it back and forth until they've they destroyed each other and every as far as finances and things like that they've thrown a wrench in the in the whole works to where it can never be the same too that bitterness has an effect and and we we don't consider that very often 
Now, I want to return to a critical question that is going to, I believe, really help people step from not being able to forgive to being able to forgive. And it actually goes to the title of the last program, which is, It's Not Okay. Remember, if you're doing forgiveness right, you actually judge the sin. You actually have the right to judge the sin. In fact, you need to judge the sin between this is petty and something I should just let go of and move on versus this actually is a very real wrong. It's a deep wrong that was done to me. So I've judged the sin. And so now I'm hanging on to this and murder. uh, It's kind of easy to judge. You know, it's kind of easy. It's like this was wrong. I was wronged. So how do I let go of something where I was wrong? You have to understand the nature of what forgiveness is. And the nature of forgiveness is not me saying that what you did is okay. The nature of forgiveness actually is me transferring the judgment to God. There's a huge difference between those two. I'm not trying to make things right. They can't be made right. They are wrong. And it's because they're wrong that I need to forgive. I wouldn't need to forgive unless there was a deep abiding wrong. So I'm not making it okay when I forgive. I'm transferring the judgment to God. Now here's the rub. How many people really believe that God will judge when I turn it over to him? Then we get the Jonah response of, I don't trust God to judge. So no, I can't hand it off to God. And we don't really reckon with the fact that we don't trust God to judge. This isn't about me declaring it to be okay. This is about me transferring it to God. And I'm like Jonah, just don't want to go there. Nope, God can't trust you. That brings me to a verse from Scripture where uh, he's forgotten sin. As far as the East is from the West, it's forgotten or it's... Is that the is that the right lang- the right word with it? Okay. And 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 I think that's a verse that uh, people stumble over because it sounds like what forgot. How can God forget? Well, I I don't think God can forget. I think He sets it aside. So there's a process of dealing with forgiveness. And then you choose to set it aside. And that setting aside is putting it in his hands. And he further, he he opens up possibilities instead of that that, uh, hole that we're digging uh, in, in lack of forgiveness. There's really two thoughts here. God not only talks about forgetting, he also talks about remembering. So think about that. Here's God who lives outside of time. And he's looking at this entire picture, and as he's looking at it, he's choosing not to remember, if you will, at times, and choosing to remember at times, because there's times when, if I bring this up to you, it will not help you. When I'm dealing with heart change, and I'm dealing with the the hard stuff of heart change, I have a rule, and that rule is let's deal with the one thing, obedience. I try to funnel everything I'm working through a person with. I try to funnel it through this concept of you can only work on one thing at a time, so I'm going to try to funnel everything through this one focus, and I'm going to accelerate things at times through that focus, and at times I'm going to say, nope, it's not in the focus area, so I'm going to set it aside. In a sense, I choose to forget for a period of time. 
And then all of a sudden, when it's the right time in order to accomplish the will of God, I choose to remember it and we bring it back. And now we really bring this laser focus in. I believe that's how God works. And so when I forgive, I'm transferring the judgment to God. I'm giving him freedom to work outside of my time frame. See, the tomorrow, back to the frogs, the tomorrow is, I'm not letting go until I see something happen. You know what? You're not going to see anything happen until you let go. Because until you let go, you're tying God's hands. And so when I take this judgment and I transfer it to God, I put it into his hands. We talked about this with Nineveh. God chose not to judge immediately, but I'll guarantee you, in the scheme of God and the plans of God, when God did judge Nineveh, it worked perfectly. Well, when I begin to trust God and I step outside of that time thing and I say, okay, God, my tomorrow will never come, but I can trust you to judge outside of time and to accelerate it at the right time to bring a good purpose, whatever that looks like, if that means he's going to turn to good, my enemy is going to turn to a good place, I need to be willing to do that back to the law of mercy. If I'm going to afford my enemy that, then I get afforded that, so that works to my good. I mean, think of all the dynamics here. When I start to understand that forgiveness is not a, it's okay, but it's not okay, but God, I need to hand it off to you. Focus. Uh, and focus uh, in, in the description you've just given is on God. It's, it's, it's opening your hands and letting go of what you're holding on so tightly to. And, and uh, I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes, uh, for everything under heaven, there's a time. And, and there's a time to hold on to it, and there's a time to let it go. But the, the arbiter of time is God himself. And, and so that should be the focus. We're still spending a lot of time on the whys and the hows, but in the next segment, I really want to try to get into the practical discussion of, okay, let's do this thing, and, and, and let's get it done. And let's not deal with the rationales. Let's not deal with the trust in God, but let's just get it done. Before we start into that segment, let's have a few questions to just think about where we've been, and then we will continue. We've spent a lot of time on this buildup, and the entire series is based around this one title of Let It Go. And so I've, I've listened to the first part of the program, and I'm like, yeah, I'm hanging on to the frogs, and my forgiveness is always tomorrow, and, and I, I decide I'm going to do it, and I wake up. And by the end of the day, I'm bitter all over again. I'm frustrated all over again. And, and, and forgiveness is just hard. How do I get there? And again, choose your hard. Choose your outcomes. What I talked about in the last segment of, you know, you, you, you know how long do you want to sleep with the frogs? So you decide, okay, I'm going to choose my outcomes. I'm going to choose a better outcome, which means I'm going to forgive. How do I do that? How do I enforce that? 
And I want to start talking about different tools, and one of them is pictures. Think about the word imaginations or even dreams. How many people, when they're bitter, they end up dreaming about the object of their bitterness? I mean, it becomes a visual obsession literally at night. In the daytime, it just takes a single word sometimes, or it takes whatever to trigger you in a way, and this picture comes up, and it's just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I'm angry. And so visual tools are incredibly powerful in terms of helping us take that step to actually be able to forgive. I can identify with that. Uh... In one of my poems, one of the lines is, there's a picture in my mind that says it best for me. And that's one poem, but almost everything that I've ever written uh, is a picture in my mind. And uh, you bringing that into the discussion, uh, I've never really thought about, very much at least, whether other people have that going on in their but it's a, a big reality for me. The most powerful visual tool, I believe, beyond any and all tools, is the cross. Hmm. When I come to the cross and I listen to the language of Hebrews, hey, you haven't suffered to bloodshed, and, uh, you know, come on, uh, you know, let's get real. You're, you think that what you're going through is incredibly hard. Uh, let's take a look at Jesus. And so the first thing that I do is I put down my bitterness. I mean, focus is incredibly powerful. I put down my bitterness and I say, okay, God, I want to choose to do this. I'm having trouble getting the power to do this. So the first thing I do is I begin to get my eyes on the cross and I begin to visualize what Jesus went through and his suffering for all sin. Notice my language, all sin. That's mine and that's the other person and, mm -hmm. and what that other person did to me. And so now I'm starting to visualize the law of mercy, and the law of mercy is that sin is absolutely paid for. Even if that other person continues to be a jerk and continues to be, need to be forgiven over and over and over again, the law of mercy can continue. And so the first place that I go in this visualization is to Jesus, and I'm seeing the blood and I'm seeing the scars, and I'm seeing the crown of thorns, and I'm visualizing the pain, and I'm speaking to myself, and I'm understanding that Jesus died so that I can be free of this. Jesus died to give me this power to, to walk out of this. He died, and his blood actually covers the sin of that other person, so he's actually able to forgive them too and able to walk it through. Now, back to what we said in the last segment. That doesn't mean he's just going to wash his hands and throw it away. He's still going to operate with them in a way that he wants them to get heart change. So he's still going to judge them, if you will. He's still going to convict them. He's still going to challenge them. See, this is the confidence we have to have. We have to understand that Jesus died for sin. And when I understand that, I understand that he takes sin seriously, which is the judgment side of the sin. But he also paid for our sin so that I can be free. And I'm glad you brought up that he died, because the thing that we're holding on to, uh, if we're holding on to it, we are still alive. So we, even, we haven't even gone 
uh, to that drastic a, a place. The other one I'm reminded of is uh, on the cross. He was in the midst of two other people, and and one uh, recognized him for who he was and accepted him, and the other one didn't. Uh, isn't that a last reminder of his in his living moments uh, of the choice that we make? My first thought is the idea of what I talk about a lot of times, a receiving theology. It's not our works. Now, you could say it's our works because one thief accepted him and the other one didn't. But the thief doing nothing except accepting Jesus ends up being justified, ends up in paradise, ends up being received into heaven. That's the whole concept of God and how God works. It's the law of mercy. And when I'm walking in judgments and I'm hanging on to those judgments, I'm not doing a receiving theology. I'm doing a theology of no works where, you know, you've got to, you've got to pray that prayer. You've got to come to me and ask forgiveness. You have to do this, this, and this, or I can't forgive you. Jesus was right there on the cross offering forgiveness to either one of them, and either one of them could have received it at any point in time. It was a, uh, a Peter and uh, Judas kind of climax. You know, the, they both denied him, but the, the, in the end, it was recognizing Jesus for who he was and what he came for. So back to a receiving theology, when I let go, now I make room. I make room for this picture that I've just seen, for the grace of God, the goodness of God to be applied to me. And coming to that point and speaking the words, now I'm beginning to get into a choice. Speaking the words of God, I need to let go of this. It's, it's, I don't even like the words I forgive. I mean, they're, they're there and they're right, but they've been so distorted in our culture that what I challenge people to do is say, God, I transfer my right to judge to you. You're the one who died. You're the one who paid for the sins. You're the one who, in a sense, makes these choices. So I don't really have a right to choose. I'm going to transfer my right to choose to you because you've earned that right to choose on the cross. It really, in, in truth, it is uh, his choice. He, he, he died for it. He, he made, paid the price. And the picture thing, if, when I uh, am able to let go of a picture, uh, the, the interesting thing is more pictures come. And, and uh, in the writing experience, uh, it's important that I, I put down whatever the picture is that's coming into my mind. It may blossom into a, a full-length something or other, a song or whatever, and, and it may be a line that I put on a piece of paper. And then, interestingly enough, years later, I run across that line and there's more. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're giving over, it's, it, it, we're seeding uh, our, our very presence and future 
everything to, to God and that, that input that he is known to give. And that's exactly what happens. When I come and I transfer that judgment, and we're actually going to spend a lot of time in, in a couple programs where we talk about this and expand on this idea. But when I give him that judgment, there's a really good chance that God begins to speak to my heart in picture form mm -hmm. a lot of times. Many times he begins to show me why that person did what they did. He will show me that, wow, this person was abused by this person, or this person had this disadvantage, or this person has maybe even not negative stuff, but this person chose things and hardened his heart, and he's a hard person, and that's who he is to everybody, so stop taking it personally. Many times we begin to get a picture back from God, an expanded picture back from God, where we're able to see things in a completely different light. When you change your scene, you change your ability to respond to life on an ongoing basis. One of the things that I'm so taken with with the pictures is the peace I feel in those pictures. And, and oftentimes it's not because what I'm thinking about or what I'm focused on is peaceful, but that, that uh, I have a sense of, with a picture that comes of, of, that, of peace. Uh, we were talking about uh, sleeping habits uh, and earlier, and we both have messed up <laughs> sleeping yeah. habits, but we both recognized somewhere along the line that we felt the presence of God, and I dare say we had pictures uh, in those times when we uh, woke up in the middle of the night and wondered why. And that's, I'm going to make another leap here, not just pictures, but presence. Absolutely. We, again, middle of the night, when I wake up, many times there's a clarity. Well, what's the problem? During the daytime, I'm a little bit driven. I'm a little bit obsessive, and I'm not blaming that on God. That's me. That's, that's my sin nature, if you will. So I'm driven. I'm obsessive. When that spiritual feel has a hold of me, I'm not as open to God. So I wake up in the middle of the night. All of a sudden, it's just like things popping. It's here. It's there. And I'm kind of like, where did that come from? Well, your spirit was open to God. Same thing happens when we're able to let go, and it's no longer tomorrow, but it's today, right now. And we're able to come to God and say, God, I transfer this to you. There's a presence thing that begins to happen in us. And we start feeling certain kinds of things that are the love of God and the peace of God and the ability to actually forgive. Many times, once we actually make the decision to forgive and we speak about that, then that opens up. We actually start feeling it. A lot of times we don't feel it first, we feel it afterwards. And a lot of times people are in that zone of, well, I'm not going to forgive until I feel it in my heart. No, I encourage you, listen to all of these tapes, listen to all of the shows and go back through them and figure out that, no, you need to forgive. You need to make the decision. And it is a decision. And you hand that thing off. After you've handed it off is when you will more than likely start experiencing different pictures, a different filter, and a different feeling, a different flow. If you wait until you feel it to forgive, 
you will likely never forgive. So those midnight or later uh, encounters, one of the words that comes to me in the description that you gave and my sense of those moments is comfort. There's, I'm, I'm, uh, my focus is at probably at its very best, and, and I have a level of comfort that in most of the rest of my day is, is foreign. It's, it's, and I'm in a spot where I have my full attention on God, and that change, changes everything. Heart change comes through heart choice. Until I make the choice, the forceful choice, I am choosing to transfer the judgment. Again, get out of the language of forgive. I am making the forceful choice to transfer the right to judge from me to God. When I do that, when I've made that solid heart choice, it has outcomes. It has an impact. And the impact is my spirit's in a different place. And yes, we should feel a comfort. We should feel mercy. We should feel love. That's incredibly important. If that's not happening, the forgiveness process has not gotten where it needs to go. I mean, wrap your brain around this. When we do it the right way, you should see it. You should feel it. It's interesting. It's a radical thing that you're calling for in in this whole discussion. uh, to, To give it over. Uh, you wouldn't do it easily to someone else, uh, and and then to turn it over to God and and basically empty your hands, and and many other things in the on the way. That's radical, but that radical uh, decision uh, brings peace and comfort. And it's a radical decision to trust God because I realize I can't handle it. If I try to handle it, it's just frogs and frogs and more frogs. So I make that decision to trust God to hand it off to God. Now, it would be nice if I just did that and I felt the peace of God done and deal. everything was good <laughs> and it was done and it's forever changed, but it doesn't work like that. We are layered creatures. If you have a deep unforgiveness, there's probably hundreds of pictures, if not thousands of pictures in your brain. There's hundreds of times of feeling things and being aggravated and all of the different things that go on with a bitterness or an unforgiveness. And then there's this thing called triggers. And so I come along and I meet someone else who is spiritually similar to the person that I'm harboring unforgiveness, and I may not even know what's going on. But that person just triggers me, and I'm aggravated, and I'm angry, and I'm frustrated, and I'm, I'm feeling those things all over again. Well, guess what? When you're feeling those things all over again, the way we work as human beings, you're going to automatically revert back to that place of unforgiveness, and thoughts of that person whom you've forgiven, they're going to come back to you, and the pictures are going to come back to you, and you're going to go, oh, wow, I thought I forgave that person. I wonder why I'm still having these thoughts. That's a tough one. Uh, there, but the reality is the, the presence of God is, is something that you invite or you reject. And if, if, you were, if you're rejecting it, uh, there's lots of work to be done. And we're all 
in a state of some rejection because uh, <laughs> we are human. Uh, we're we're uh, obsessed with it, and we're not too sure he's going to take care of everything. That's really a, a base uh, of our misconceptions is that uh, we don't know, and, and so we don't trust him. And, and that's going to continue uh, and, until we can, we can let it all go. And I'm not sure that that happens in the, in the human state. <laughs> well, you're using the word rejecting yeah. of the grace of God, the power of God, mm. the judgment of God, trust in God, all of those. I'm going to take it back to the word embracing because mm. there's only one decision to forgive. But there is a whole lot of embracing of God and enforcing of the decision that needs to happen. If I understand that when I transfer it to God, that's a clear, fast, hard decision that I am never going to go back on. When I forgive, I've got to do that. I've got to understand I'm not taking it back. I also need to understand that in real-time experience, what's going to happen is going to be triggered triggered, triggered, triggered. And when it's triggered, I'm going to be tempted to go, wow, I never made a decision to forgive. That's not true. You did make the decision, but you've got it built up in all of these layers. You have it built up in picture form. You have it built up in feeling form. So what I have to do is embrace the forgiveness of God, embrace the fact that I've turned it over to God, and then enforce that work in my life. So this new picture comes up, I'm not really forgiving all over again. You can picture it as forgiving all mm. over again if you want. But I'm like, no, I've already made that decision. I'm enforcing the decision I've already made. So now I say, nope, I've already made that decision. Father, here is this picture that I have. Remind me once again of the picture of the cross and that you died for me. So here's this picture. I'm receiving your picture. Here's this feeling. I'm receiving your feeling of comfort and peace. Step by step, what am I doing? Every time that comes up, I'm enforcing the decision that I've already made one step at a time. If you're doing that the right way, the authority to walk in forgiveness will raise up within you. It'll, it'll get stronger. It'll rise up. It'll, you'll become strong. And as you become strong, you'll suddenly find that, wow, I talked to that person and I was okay. The authority to handle relationship in a godly way becomes established in you, but very seldom do you get this boom, instantaneous reaction where I took it to God one time and all of it was gone and I never had to look back. That does happen. Thank God it happens for some people, but don't plan on it happening because if you plan on it happening, and then it works out the way I just described, it's going to totally mess with your world. Now, we have a little easier view of that when we, we talk about the healings, uh, the, the miraculous healings. They do happen, but they don't happen all the time. In fact, they're fairly rare compared to uh, unhealthy attempts at healing. They don't happen all the time, and here's the big one. And they sure don't happen on our timetable. <laughs> I mean, how often do you know, I've seen the miraculous, I've, I've prayed for people, etc. But when I'm trying to be in control of it, it doesn't work very well. 
it can't work according to my timetable. It does work, I believe, according to spiritual authority. So when I've got this bitterness, when I've got this unforgiveness, if I'm walking it out this way, if you're understanding the dynamics of what I'm laying out, I believe these dynamics line up with the scriptures and they line up with spiritual authority. And when I start exercising this in the right way, I can step into a place of victory and freedom, and I don't have to sleep with the frogs. Speaking of pictures, I've, I've recognized that God gives me those kinds of pictures that I'm not cooperating, that I'm, I'm going my own way, that I've decided what's best, and I, I don't care about his forgiveness, and, and uh, mine is more important. So that's an if, another look at pictures that uh, we would be less prone to talk about if we weren't trying to, to see the whole picture. In Romans 5.17, God says that he gives us an abundance of grace. Grace is not just forgiveness, but it's empowerment. It's, it's strength. It's a renewing. It's life. So if you're going to come to me, and let's go back to the murder. If you've had a murder, if you've had a divorce, if you've had some of the really big, deep stuff, it's not realistic for you to go to God one time and expect all of that to be washed because you have tens of thousands of pictures and it's deep and it's exceedingly painful. But here is what's realistic, the abundance of grace. Abundant, more than enough. Where sin abounds, same passage, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Grace overflows. So I can have a confidence that if I've been hurt at the deepest, deepest, deepest level, I can look back at that cross and know the power of Jesus' death and his resurrection, the suffering he did for me, that the power of that is greater than anything I will face. And I can know that the power of his ability to give grace, to give empowerment, to give strength, to give peace, to give new pictures is greater than anything I can face. So now I can approach the throne of God with confidence that he's going to do a work. But if I try to do this one-time shot, Lord, boom, then I'm likely to be disappointed. Then I'm going to lose faith in God. And then I'm going to struggle. And the next time I have to come back, it's like, all right, God, it didn't work the last 42 times. Why would I expect it to, to work this time? But when we get it individualized to where I hand this piece off, I got peace. I started to see a new picture. And I began to be thankful for the grace. And I began to be thankful for the work he's doing right here and right now. And I'm not worried about the entire thing yet. I'm just living now. I'm not living in tomorrow. I'm not living in, I don't have total victory yet, but I'm living in the right now. And I'm receiving what God's given me right now. And I'm excited about, wow, we're, we're on our way. We're on our way to getting free. You're talking about the page, <laughs> the, the old phrases of patience, patience of Job. But Job had patience because God had patience first. That uh, He could see in the worst of circumstances, and, and he went through more than any of us will ever experience, and, and yet he was able to, to see that God was there. And, and the patience that God had had with him. Uh, that, that, to me, that's a beautiful picture. 
when I believe more in the grace of God than I do the power of sin, I step into a place where I can win. Let that soak in. Job kind of whined a little bit in the book. I mean, you, you see him, etc. But through that whining, he maintained a view of, but I trust my God. I trust my God. Though he slay me, though he kill me, still I will trust God. This is the big picture that we have to have. Forgiveness that's deep requires a confidence in God and in the grace of God. When I get a hold of that, I'm able to forgive. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope this is really setting you up with a kind of strength with some practical tips on how to break through in this area of forgiveness. In the next couple of programs, we're going to go into it in a deeper way of how to actually reach up into heaven and get a hold of something that will change our lives. And thank you for joining us. Please pass it on to other people, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Effective Heart Change. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.